Blog Talk Radio. Another tremendous college football weekend at hand. We are down to now 11 unbeaten. How about that? There was double plus that two weeks ago around the uh, the FBS. Nine of those at Power Five conferences, and we're all set for everything you need for another college football weekend. It, it's it's like an elimination weekend every time we have college football programs that uh, aspire to. The college football playoff each and every week is one that uh, you need to be absolutely ready for. This is strong as steel as always. I'm Michael Regai, pleased to be joined by the preeminent college football analyst in the business and the author of Phil Steele's College Football Preview. That, of course, would be Phil Steele. Good afternoon, Phil. How's things? I am doing great, Michael. How about yourself? A wonderful, absolutely wonderful. You guys always have brought it strong for us. That's part of the name of the show, Strong as Steel. We do this every week. Here's how you get a hold of us, 646-668-2248. I'm going to give that to you one more time, 646-668-2248. Phil and I try to get to in excess of 20 games uh, per show here as we try to keep this hour as informative and as entertaining for you as possible. Phil, as we start today, and of course on Twitter as well, on social media, uh, that's your opportunity. We'll get to that in a moment. Phil, as we start today, before we get into what's coming up ahead of us, how about the wildness of a couple of big ones last week inside the top 25? I want to get your thoughts on Kevin Sumlin and his Aggies of Texas A&M staying on the top side of things with that tremendous win over previously unbeaten Tennessee, and also Miami. The Hurricanes had a shot maybe to topple Florida State, get an extra point blocked, Phil. How did you see both of those and as it pertained to the outcome of each? I think Tennessee impressed more people last week in a loss than they had been impressing people in wins. They were actually turned the ball over seven times, were minus four in turnovers for the game. And generally when that happens, Michael, you're blown out. Instead, Tennessee takes the game to overtime. In fact, two overtimes before finally coming up short. Uh, Very impressed with what Joshua Dobbs, ever since the second half of that Florida game, 
he has been a much more dynamic passer. And uh, so came away very impressive Tennessee, but naturally A&M got the win, undefeated. Their next game, Alabama, and that'll be a great showdown we'll talk about next week. Now the Miami-Florida game, Miami appeared to be in control of that game, and then Florida State took control. In fact, for the game, uh, Florida State uh, finished with the, uh, a yardage edge of 407 to 276, 22 to 21st down edge. Miami comes down, gets a late apparent tying touchdown, but then a blocked extra point cost them the chance to go to overtime. Uh, it was yet another thrilling finish, and that's the first time, Michael, that Florida State lost by a single point. Or, I mean, Miami and Florida lost by a single point to Florida State. Meanwhile, Florida State's had a whole bushel full of those wide rights in their history. <laughs> yeah, they have. No question about that. Uh, all right, we're going to have a lot of fun as we go forward this week. And for you, again, 646-668-2248, wherever you'd like to go with Bill Steele and yours truly. Let's start out in that great state of Alabama with some, you know, we'd love to discuss whether it's Conference USA, the Sun Belt, the Mountain West, the MAC. Jake from Alabama up for, he's our quarterback, right out of the huddle first this afternoon. Welcome, Jake, to Strongest Steel. How are you? Hey, I'm doing great. Go right ahead, Jay. Hey, I want I wanted to ask about the Troy Trojans. If they go eleven and one, what kind of bowl could they be invited to? And what do you think the odds of them going eleven and one are? All right, that's a great question, Jake. Uh, now, I think they would just take the Sun Belt's top bowl, so it wouldn't get them into any bigger bowl. The way uh, the bowl contracts are lined up, your top uh, bowl team from each conference goes into a certain slot. But as far as winning out goes, uh, you know they're going to—they're a big favorite this week against Georgia State. I think they'll be a slight favorite at South Alabama. The South Alabama game concerns me a little bit in the fact that South Alabama has played uh, giant killers so far this year. You look at the opening game of the season, they knocked off Mississippi State. Uh, and then you go back two weeks ago. They knocked off, or last week, I should say, knocked off San Diego State. No, actually, it was two weeks ago, 42-24. to 24. So Joey Jones has that South Alabama team believing they can play with anybody, and they've already knocked off Mississippi State and San Diego State. That might be the most dangerous game left as far as road games go this year. They do play UMass at home. They'll be a big favorite there. App State's not going to be easy. That's an App State team that played Tennessee toe-to-toe. It's a veteran team. Uh, so I think that's going to be a great game down the stretch. Arkansas State, you know, I like what I saw to Arkansas State finally. Arkansas State finally last week. Uh, that was a game where Arkansas State was minus five in turnovers and yet uh, still ended up prevailing over Georgia Southern. I think they got their season turned around with Justice Hansen at the QB spot. So that's going to be a difficult one. The big favorite at Texas State. And then the option at the end of the year, Georgia Southern, never easy to prepare for the option. Georgia Southern beat them last year 45-10. to 10. But I just think Troy's a better team than Georgia Southern. But with three, they're at South Alabama, home to App State, home to Arkansas State. I think it's going to be tough to run the table, but I absolutely love the job that uh, Neil Brown is doing as the head coach there. Appreciate the call, Jake. You know, as we said, uh, we have not just the FBS and, and uh, not just uh, the uh, the Power Five conferences as well, but as uh, Jake brings up to us, as we'll be all over the uh, the group of five, as Phil just laid out for you. And with that in mind, the Mid-American Conference is one that we're always uh, keeping very close tabs on. Let's head to the uh, state of New York, and uh, here's Mark with some Maction thoughts for us. How are you, Mark? Doing very well, guys. How are you today? I uh, just Great. had uh, some good some had some thoughts on the uh, Central Michigan Northern Illinois game coming up. Uh, you know, I see the lines only as 
three in favor of Central Michigan. Uh, you know, I watched the entire uh, Northern Illinois Western Michigan game last week, and Maggie looked fantastic at quarterback. But that pass defense is, I believe, ranked 10th in the uh, MAC. And I just feel like Cooper Rush, you know, he's got a 15 to 1 ratio right now, and the running game came alive last week. I just feel like this is a letdown spot for Northern Illinois and a way for CMU to get back on track. What are your thoughts, Phil? All right, thank you for the call, Mark. And, uh, you know, one quick note I want to throw out to Jake. Since we're trying to cover as many games as possible, we discussed Troy, but we didn't discuss this week's game with Troy. I like Troy this week to win by three touchdowns. I think that they're the superior team, get the job done against Georgia State. So I like Troy by three touchdowns or more this week. Uh, now let's talk about our second game, which is one Mark just brought up. And you make a great point, Mark. That is probably the biggest concern of the game I have for Northern Illinois. That pass defense has been woeful this year. And Cooper rushes you touchdown, 15 touchdown passes, just five interceptions, been doing great. But Central's a little bit of a beat-up team at this point. And uh, you go back to the Western Michigan game that they played. Both teams just played Western. I thought Northern played a, a tougher game against Western than Central did. I was impressed with what I saw to Northern. After they got down 14 nothing. Western Michigan had a tough time getting Northern off the field. They put up 484 yards. You touched on the way Maddie has taken over at the QB spot. Bonois at the running back spot. They've got Galladay at receiver. They do have some weapons. And here's a 1-5 team taking on a 4-2 team. But I think Northern Illinois has got their season turned around. You look at their last two games. So even though Central's owned this series, they've won their last two times here. As my buddy Michael pointed out to me prior to the show, Central has won their last two meetings here against Northern. In fact, last three meetings overall. I'm actually going to side with Northern to pull the upset in this one, but it should be a fun one to watch, and we're going to learn more about both. But uh, for the record, I'm going with Northern Illinois in that one. Thank you for the call, Mark. I was looking to help Phil with regard to what squads do in uh, the other folks' home field. You know that, right? That's right. It's a big part of what uh, Phil does, by the way, in his assessments. All right, as we said, 646-668-2248. Now, on Twitter, and we're going to get to Twitter. We love what you guys do on social media with us. Maybe you can't call. Do it on Twitter, at Phil Steele, S-T-E-E-L-E-042, at Michael Regi, R-E-G-H-I, and our producer, always on the scene to uh, bring the social media experience to you, at Jim underscore Nabozna, N-A-B-O-Z-N-A. Phil, let's stay with it. Boston Mass we had, and uh, let's uh, check. Well, let me flip that for a second. Let's head to uh, the great state of Indiana, Big Ten on the mind of Jeff as Indiana Hoosiers acquitted themselves very well against Ohio State last week. Hey, Jeff, how you doing today? Hey, I'm well, and, and thanks, guys, for having me on. I, I would agree that Indiana had a nice week last week. Uh, and, Phil, just let me tell you, it was another great weekend to be an inside-the-press box guy as well. Thank you. Uh, the Hoosiers are 2-0 as underdogs this season, and it's homecoming down in Bloomington. Now, I know Kids don't always show up down there, but I, I think they're pretty excited, and I think that place is going to be electric. Uh, it looks like the, the early money's on Indiana, so what do you think? Yeah, you hit that right on the head. In fact, when this one came out, uh, Nebraska opened up as a, a seven-point favorite in the game, and now Indiana, they're only about a three-point favorite over Indiana, so not a, not a huge amount of line value uh, in the game for the Hoosiers here. And when you look at Nebraska, they roll in here 5-0, and oh. But you have to question a little bit about the opponents they've been beating. I mean, you look at Fresno State, uh, which was actually 
fairly close after three quarters. Same thing with Wyoming. Fairly close after three quarters. The Oregon game looked great at the time, and they they needed that last-second stop to pull that one out. But uh, now the Ducks haven't looked so good. Northwestern was a good win. They actually beat Northwestern better than the 24-13. And then last uh, in their last game, Illinois, once again, they actually trailed Illinois heading into the fourth quarter. Now the fourth quarter... It's very much impressed me, as you can tell, about what they've been doing. But Indiana, the difference between this year's Indiana and previous year's Indiana, you know, Indiana in past years would play teams close, but they couldn't get that upset. You know, you look at last year, they had quite a few close calls. Thrown in the end zone at the end of the Ohio State game, uh, they had the, the game against Iowa, which they lost by eight. Michigan touchdown, then would lose it in overtime. Uh, and, you know, Michigan State was closer than the final score would indicate. But when you look at uh, Indiana this year, the difference, Tom Allen and that defense are actually playing good defense, holding opponents at 38 yards below their season average. And who would ever thought Indiana would have a defense like that? Meanwhile, offensively, they've got Devine Redding. They've got Richard Legow at QB. Uh, who's got a great uh, percentage. So I, I like the underdog in this one, just like uh, you do there. Uh, Jeff, but uh, it's going to be an interesting one, probably a coin flip, and uh, yet another one of those games decided right at the end. But I'll take the points with Indiana at home. Thank you for the call, Jeff. Uh, interesting assessment from Phil there. But, you know, our, our buddy Jeff just mentioned some numbers that are extremely important, Phil, and that's 22-12. and 12. What's 22-12 and 12 represent? Uh, that's uh, Phil Steele and his work in breaking down, analyzing, assessing games uh, inside the press box. And, and, Phil, you know, I've chided you the last couple of weeks. You know, I've needed you to bring all of your expertise on your breakdown game of the week. So here it is on Wednesday. We've asked you to do it by Friday. My man, you come through for us. You're making it happen, huh? Yeah, Phil Steele Plus is uh, the, the website which uh, actually gets you all the uh, team pages, and it's the same. What I've did done is crafted PhilSteele.com has always been crafted to do, putting all my information up there so I can have the information at my fingertips. Well, now we've taken the information and put behind a wall, but it's just forty nine dollars for the whole year for Phil Steele Plus. But you get the same access to the team pages that we have spent years and years and tens of thousands of hours producing these team pages. They're color-coded green and red, very easy to use, very easy to read. And you can see things at a glance. They just jump out at you with the green and red. You get the last six years complete uh, for each team. You get FCS, FBS, individual leaders, 20-year stats loaded and uh you know, I could go on and on about it, but I tell you what, we're not going to discuss the Ohio State-Wisconsin game here on the radio. we got to try to get to 20 games if possible. But if you go to philsteel.com right now and go to the front menu, click on the Phil Steel Plus Game of the Week. Last week it was Alabama. I called for Alabama to win by 20. They won by 19. We were way off on that one. But this week's Game of the Week is Wisconsin and Ohio State. Click on it, get a complete breakdown. I go complete in-depth on it. And uh, so let's go to philsteel.com and check out the Phil Steel Plus Game of the Week breakdown. It's Wisconsin-Ohio State, one of the big ones this week. And, Michael, I believe you looked at it. Uh, how was it when you nego- negotiating that? I absolutely looked at it. You think I wouldn't prep for our Strongest Steel <laughs> show without doing that? 
Come on, my friend. Here's what I like about what Phil's done, as he just described. Everything is so detail-oriented, yet easy for you to access. For instance, now, you know, just real quickly, um, it's been a long, long time since Wisconsin's been a double-digit dog at home. So I think in this case, you need to know that. Well, since Phil goes all the way back 20 years to 1996, you were able to see that. 1997 against Michigan. They covered. They lost the football game, but they covered. Phil, again, I like what you did with breaking down Wisconsin against Michigan State and Michigan in a couple of football games and Ohio State and, of course, uh, how they had played and leading up to their game against Indiana. What I guess conventional wisdom was that offensively J.T. Barrett and his mates struggled a little bit. So, Phil, I loved it. I think it it's a, it's a must-have. It is his breakdown game. As you said, we, we now we've chided you and you come through. Yeah. Now it's yeah. taken you a couple of weeks, buddy. It <laughs> has taken you a couple of weeks. But can now I guess I can get off your back, can I now? I appreciate that, Michael. And I appreciate you pushing me on that, too. <laughs> it's the first week I said I'd have it up on Friday, never got it up. Last week, finally got it up on Friday. You kept pushing me Monday and Tuesday, and now it's up on Wednesday, so everybody can listen to it right after they get off the podcast. Let's get back to the calls, Michael. That's how good Steele is. He's 48 hours ahead of schedule. Let's uh, head out to uh, Vegas again, 646-668-2248. That's how you get to us on Strong as Steele, your best lock-in for college football each and every week. Here's Tom in Las Vegas uh, checking in with Strong as Steele. Tom, how you doing? Welcome. How are things in Sin City? Uh, just beautiful weather. Perfect. Listen, I'm, what do you I'm have curious for? about... After Mississippi State got slaughtered last weekend, if they can go into BYU and even make a game of it. All right. Appreciate the call there, Tom. Uh, you know, I think Mississippi State will have a little more than to thank this week. They've been a disappointing team. Uh, Coach Mullen mentioned that, that uh, this is a team where, uh, you know, they haven't been dealing with the adversity they have. As you mentioned, Auburn just destroyed them last week. It was 35 nothing, and... Uh, that was being kind to Mississippi State at that point. But this is an SEC school. They are getting over a touchdown uh, on the road. I realize the altitude's there, and I realize that BYU has played great football this year. They dominated Michigan State in the second half, scored on all four possessions, uh, got past Toledo at home. But most of BYU's games, all but last week, have been decided by three points or less. So they're usually pretty tight. Uh, even with Taysom Hill, Jamal Williams, two guys. And, and we've seen a great improvement from Taysom Hill throwing the football each and every week. Williams has mm-hmm. almost got 1,000 yards already. Thank goodness he's back off injury. He's got 866 yards. He's averaging 6.2 yards a carry. But it still is an SEC team getting that much. A complete lack of respect, I think, at this point. And BYU has a lot of close games. So I'm going to side with Mississippi State. I'll take the, the 7.5 or 8, whatever they're getting. I think BYU probably prevails at home in another close game. But uh, should be a great football game to watch. And that one's on Friday. So uh, it's on ESPN at 10.15 at night. If you could stay up that should be a fun entertaining game appreciate the call tom 646-668-2248 that's how you get a hold of us let's uh, swing way out west pack 10 country uh, excuse me pack 12 country to the uh, great state of oregon here's tyler checking in with us with some thoughts on utah and oregon state how you doing tyler tyler are you with us i hope so I think Hello? Tyler should be there. Tyler, you there? Go right Hello? ahead, sir. Uh, We're here, Tyler. Go right hi. ahead. Uh, hello, folks. How are you doing this morning? Great. Go uh, ahead, Tyler. 
All right. I was curious what Phil's thoughts were on the Utah-Oregon State game, since Oregon State's now coming off a getting a huge monkey off their back after a win over Cal, but they're facing a team that's probably like the polar opposite in Utah this week. All right. Appreciate the call. And, uh, you know, interesting matchup. Uh, it was good to see Daryl Gerritsen back healthy last week. Remember, he had got banged up against both Boise and Colorado, and Connor Blount came off the bench, did a decent job, but uh, Garrison's back. Ryan Neal's running the football just like he thought he would. He's averaging 6.9 yards per carry. And then Seth Collins, last year's starting quarterback, is thriving at the receiver position. He's their leading receiver right now. Defensively, they're still struggling a little bit, but they're clearly a lot stronger. I think this year's Oregon State team, probably about 10 to 14 points stronger than last year's Oregon State team. And that big upset at Cal last week was huge. Now, Davis Webb did injure his throwing hand early in that game for Cal, and it affected his passing. He only threw for 124 yards. I think that helped out Oregon State. But they get a benefit from some injuries this week again. Utah's running backs are all banged up. Amon Shine, their top rusher, he's probably out for the year. Zach Moss might miss the game. Troy McCormick might miss the game. In fact, Joe Williams, the guy who retired after two weeks of the season, has been asked back on the team. That's how desperate they are at the running back spot. Uh, But I, I, I like what I see out of Troy Williams, their quarterback. And I also like Utah's defense. This year they're holding opponents to 65 yards below their season average. They have one of the best defensive lines in college football. So this is a, a good, very good Utah team, one that's capable of contending, and right now the front runner of the Pac-12 South. I like Oregon State, but I still think they're one year away from getting back there. So I'm going to call for Utah to go on the road here and win this one by double digits. I like the uh, the Utah Utes in that game, and do appreciate the phone call, Tyler. Appreciate it, Tyler. Yeah, I like Utah too, Phil. Uh, a lot of good things happening with that program, no question. So we'll keep a keep an eye on them. Again, six four six 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 eight twenty two forty eight. We'll be checking Twitter with our producer uh, Jim Nabosna, so you can line those up at Phil Steele zero four two at Michael Regai at Jim underscore Nabosna N A B O Z. And a let's uh, swing back with some thoughts about uh, the group of fives, and that would be uh, the Mid American Conference this time around. We go to Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Here's David on Strong as Steel. Hello, David. David, are you there my with call? us, sir? David, go right ahead. Yeah. Good afternoon, gentlemen. Thank you for taking my call. And go I ahead, David. Your, I know you have your finger on the pulse of the MAC. I'd like to know your feelings on the game between a surprising Eastern Michigan and an up-and-down Ohio University. I love the way Eastern Michigan's playing, and uh, appreciate you bringing up the MAC in this one, David. And you know, you go back to that game against Wyoming a few weeks back. That's a game that really impressed me with Eastern. I thought they dominated Wyoming. They had about a 200-yard edge in the game. A couple of costly turnovers hurt them, but they ended up winning. Sorry. Then beating BG on the road the next week was outstanding. You got any dishes out here? Uh, and then uh, you go back to the um, uh, Toledo game last week. They gave Toledo one of the better games anybody's given Toledo this year. So very impressed with what Eastern's doing. Todd Porter doing a solid job. But, of course, Brogan Rogback took over at QB. Uh, he was suspended the first couple games. He's back. And the defense playing a lot better. Now, Ohio's a dangerous team. You know, Frank Solich, always one of the best head coaches out there. And Greg Windham, since he took over as a starting QB, has got their offense per. And he's their leading rusher and passer. Uh, and they put up 30 points on Bowling Green last week. But uh, Ohio, 
a little bit over a touchdown favorite in this game. I think Eastern can make a game of it. I see Ohio winning, but I see it as closer than a touchdown in this one. And uh, I'm going to keep my eyes on this Eastern Michigan team. Four and two, bowl eligible is a possibility. They've got some winnable games. Yeah, they've got Western. They've got this one. They've got some tough games going, but uh, it'd be neat to see uh, Eastern get to a bowl. So I like Ohio somewhere about three to four points. Appreciate the call there, David. Phil, 1987, huh? 1987, the last time the Eastern Michigan Eagles program went to a bowl game. So uh, I I would say they're about due, and you're right. uh, Chris Creighton has done a terrific job, especially on the defensive side of the football. So we will keep watching them very, very closely. We're always uh, in touch with you here on Strong as Steel. This is the place to be each and every week as uh, we deliver Uh, We believe the finest podcast you're going to get anywhere with regard to all the information and assessments, opinions, and the value you need to prepare for your college football weekend. Just like our friend uh, Fred did. Fred, as we uh, take you to Boston, Massachusetts, with some thoughts on Conference USA, West Division. Hey, Fred, you like Conference USA all the way up in Boston, huh? Yeah, yeah, I'm a big college football fan in general. Um, I wanted to know, do you think Rice has a chance of winning their first game of the year at home versus Texas San Antonio? All right. Appreciate the call there, Fred. Great to ask about this game. I'm sure it's uh, not one of the marquee games on uh, ABC this week. But, uh, you know, I I did a regular uh, radio show in Houston every week, and they asked me about the Rice team right out of the box against West Kentucky. I said, you know what, they got a shot. No, they didn't. They got destroyed. Then the next week against Army, I'm like, I believe they have a shot in this one. No, no, no. They got whipped 31 to 14. Then they played Baylor. Now Baylor, they only lost by 28, which was decent. But then home against North Texas, you figured they're going to win. They had a 52 yard edge, but guess what? They lost by seven. And then Southern Miss last week, they played a decent game, or uh, two weeks ago, I should say. But they still gave up 702 yards to Southern Miss. So for, with Rice. It's one that I came into the season thinking they had a shot of finishing second, third in their division. Now I'm just waiting till they actually win a game till I call for Rice to win a game. Now UTSA, super impressive game last week, whipped up on Southern Miss. They had 532 yards offense. Dalton Sturm has taken over at QB. I thought it'd be Jared Johnson, but Sturm is doing good. He's at 62% with an 8-3 ratio. Jalen Rhodes has uh, got the running game going, averaging six yards a carry. Uh, Jarvian Williams is even starting to make an impact. I think they had 200-yard backs last week. TSA comes in the hotter team. I think they go on the road and get the win at Rice this week. Appreciate the call, Fred. That a boy, Fred, Conference USA on Fred's mind. Uh, let's uh, swing into Chicago. And again, as we invite you to keep it coming with us, we'll be checking Twitter coming up momentarily. You that want to do it uh, on the telephone line, 646-668-2248. To Chicago we go with some thoughts on uh, Ed Orgeron and how things are rolling with now taking over with the LSU Tigers. Here's Jay on Strong as Steel. Hello, Jay. How are you? Good. Uh, hey, Phil. Hey, guys. Uh, looking forward to another uh, profitable college football Saturday in the gridiron. Um want to touch on the uh, LSU-Southern Miss game, especially with uh, Edo. Uh, LSU's been through some turmoil lately, and uh, we got interim coach Edo uh, at the helm now. Uh, I think, uh, you know, America's favorite interim coach. I look for him to really rally the troops this, game, this week and hopefully uh, salvage the season. Um, and I think that he can really get the job done with the guys. And a little extra motivation for LSU this week um, – you know, LSU's mascot just passed uh, RIP Mike the Tiger. I look for uh, LSU for going into the game for some uh, extra motivation to really uh, pounce on a miss this week. 
All right. Thanks for the call, Jay. And, uh, you know, I'm going to agree with you. I think Ed Orgeron is one of the best interim head coaches out there. You look at the job he did at USC. And finally, he got LSU to play up to its potential in their last game against Missouri. And they just buried the Missouri 634 to 265 was the yards and won the game by 35 points. Edling, a quarterback, is a, a capable passer. And when you got NFL caliber receivers like Darrell and Dupree, uh, they've got the running backs, although Fournette's going to miss this game. Uh, Geis and Williams are two solid running backs. And that defense with Dave Aranda just getting better and better by the week as they get adjusted to Aranda's schemes. Southern Miss coming off that blowout loss to UTSA last week. Nick Mullins got banged up early, and uh, he's questionable coming in. I think Mullins will play. But when you look at their defenses that Southern Miss has taken on so far, Kentucky, Savannah State, Troy, UTEP, Rice, UTSA. They haven't taken on a top 50 defense, probably not a top 70 defense all year. Now they're taking out one of the top defenses in the country. That high-flying Southern Miss offense averaging 40 points per game and 538 yards per game will struggle here. I like LSU to win this one by uh, four touchdowns or more this week. So uh, I'm in agreement with you there. I think LSU gets it rolling, and uh, thanks for the call, Jay. All right, Jay, we appreciate that. Let's uh, get real close to home for Phil and I right here in the the big league city of Cleveland. That's uh, that's all a buzz of late. Uh, here's Ken joining us on Strongest Steel with some uh, Mid American Conference thoughts as well. What's going on, Ken? Welcome. Hey, Phil, Michael, Jim. Uh, just uh, wanted to take it back to the MAC um, and talk about uh, PJ Fleck trying to keep the boat rowing uh, in Kalamazoo uh, at Akron. I'm kind of worried about him this week. I, I like Akron in the eleven and a half. Um, I think it's a a down spot for Western Michigan after finally getting over the hump against Northern Illinois. Just wanted to see what you guys thought about that game. All right, and Ken, you know, I tell you what, we should have a little uh, fireworks going off here. You have touched on Michael Regai's Mac game of the week. So uh, <laughs> Michael Regai knows the Mac inside and out. He calls a lot of Mac games and talks to all the coaches. I'm going to let Michael Regai handle this call because this was the game he designated as his Mac game of the week. So take it away, Michael. What an honor. I am a very, very flattered partner that that you would do that. You know what, Ken, though? You raise a terrific about the, finally, Western Michigan, who lost six in a row, getting that uh, that huge win that they needed to stay top 25, stay unbeaten over uh, a, a much improving, and as we know, a very formidable, even though they lost uh, four straight start the year, Northern Illinois squad. Here's the thing with this. This is the first time. Phil, did you know this is the first time that Akron and Northern Illinois, by virtue of the MAC crossover schedule, are playing since 2011? It's been five football seasons that the programs of Western Michigan and Akron have uh, not seen one another. And as we know, so take P.J. Fleck out of that. He hasn't coached against Akron. Take Terry Bowden out of that. He hasn't coached against Western Michigan. Here's the thing about this, though. When you look at Western Michigan, I, I just am so enthralled with everything that P.J. Fleck is doing. Now, Akron has won six straight MAC games going back to last year. Off a strong performance, again, with backup quarterback Travon Chapman, against uh, Miami last week. They hit explosion plays, three of them, of over 35 yards for touchdowns, and they rolled Miami. And we know, as as our caller Ken alluded to, uh, they, Western Michigan uh, certainly was in a very tight football game and yet kept producing points and kept adding touchdowns as they beat Northern Illinois. 
I like Western Michigan here, and yes, they are a, a double-digit road favorite, but I like them because of the fact that we're still not sure whether it's going to be Trevon Chapman or Thomas Woodson, Akron's starting quarterback back, although, as uh, Tommy uh, Terry Bowden said to both Phil and I this past week, that he is now almost considering that uh, he's got two quarterbacks, and at some point the backup, Trevon Chapman, who's led them to wins over Kent State and uh, Miami, will be given an opportunity maybe in competition to reclaim that number one job. So that's going to be a factor here. But I just believe that Western Michigan, with offensively how dynamic they are with that tremendously potent and accurate pass game of Zach Terrell, the running backs in Jarvion Franklin and Jamari Bowden and, uh, uh, Bogan, excuse me, and of course in Corey Willis, this is one of the most complete, diverse offensive football teams that that we have around the FBS. So. P.J. Fleck has uh, got it rolling. I don't think he is going to allow his squad to come into Akron and have a letdown. Maybe the uh, the squads they face coming down the stretch here, Eastern Michigan, as we've talked about, Toledo the day after Thanksgiving will be formidable test. Phil, everybody, I like uh, I like Western Michigan to keep this thing rolling and, and, and winning at Akron and being able to uh, take care of uh, what all the Sharpies think should be a double-digit or more win. So, it, Ken, we appreciate the call. Thank you very much. And uh, that is, is, of course, how yeah, Phil and I appreciate you uh, uh, bestowing upon me a, a Mac game to take a look at each and every week. That's fun. Yeah, no, no better than to get the Mac guy there. Now, I will say this, Michael. I'm going to talk to you as a coach to a quarterback here as we enter the second half of the podcast. We've only hit nine games so far. We pride ourselves on getting 20-plus, so I need you to get those plays in and out a little bit quicker in the second half. Oh, okay. Well, we're going to make sure that we take that, take a look at that play clock going. With that in mind, uh, let's go. Okay. Speaking of quarterbacks, by the way, let us uh, take a look at uh, some of those quarterbacks that are on the horizon that maybe uh, everybody isn't aware of around college football. Here's Mark. Mark, welcome to the show on Strong as Steel. Hey, guys. I'm listening to your podcast in South America. I'm from Cleveland, Ohio, so I'm familiar with both of you guys. I'm getting the preview, college preview for about the last five years. But I heard you mention Old Dominion's quarterback, that he was a pretty good guy. And I wonder if you could mention him and a couple of other uh, small college quarterbacks uh, that are better than average. All right, well, you know, Old Dominion, uh, they had a guy a couple years ago, and Tyler Heineke. This year their quarterback is David Washington. I don't know if David Washington translates uh, NFL-wise. He's a mobile quarterback, somebody that's also played some wide receiver for him. He's hitting 56% this year. Uh, with a 12-2 ratio. But if you're talking about smaller ones, one guy that jumps out to me is Cooper Rush of Central Michigan. He's the guy the NFL scouts are probably the highest on. He's hitting 62%, 15 touchdowns, five interceptions. Uh, and he's someone that uh, I think really has to be looked at when you're looking at the top quarterbacks for the non-Power 5 teams out there. And uh, that's awesome that you're calling us all the way from South America. I appreciate that. And uh, unfortunately, Old Dominion's not playing this week, so we can't touch on a game there for ODU. But they are having a fine season going 4-2 and two over the last six weeks. Definitely appreciate the phone call, and uh, from a fellow Clevelander as well. See how far our boundaries reach, Phil? How you like that, Love it. man? Huh? Love it. South America. I should have asked him where in South America, for crying out loud. I believe Colombia. But okay. I, uh, I, 
I think it was Columbia. So that's uh, outstanding. As we said, strong as steel, uh, reaching the world over, and you can't be set for a college football weekend unless you're with us, just like uh, our friend Patrick in Chicago is with us today and with some thought. How about Navy last week, Patrick, and shocking Tom Herman in Houston. Welcome to the show, Patrick. How are you? I'm fantastic, Phil. How are you? Great. Uh, quick, quest, quick question goes out to the middies. Uh, number 25 in the top 25, that's a big big jump for Ken Niamakalalu, or however you pronounce his last Niamakalolo. name. Niamakalolo. <laughs> um, yeah, that, try, that's Patrick. a real tongue twister, Phil. <laughs> uh, yeah, I was wondering, I, I saw that the East Carolina game was actually postponed this week. I don't know much about that. I just looked at it like 10 minutes ago, but... My question actually was uh, if you think Ken Niamatololo actually is a candidate to move up to a bigger role, kind of like Paul Johnson did back about six, seven years ago when he took the Georgia Tech gig. All right. That's a good question, Patrick. Glad you brought it up. You know, last year he actually uh, flirted with the BYU job. In fact, came very close to accepting the job at BYU, which surprised me a little bit because I think Coach Niamatololo is a perfect fit for Navy. I mean, he has got just uh, he's just a perfect guy to have there, run the option, everything works well. He's had tremendous success. But uh, his, I think his son played at BYU, which was part of the option for going there. But uh, when, you t- when you take a look at Navy, I think any school would be in the right mind to go after a coach like Niamatololo. He gets the best out of his team each and every week. But I, I, me personally, I hope he stays at Navy because I just love the job he's doing there. How about you, Michael? I love Ken Niamatololo. Fantastic. And that, you know what, Phil, i got to be honest, that, that didn't shock me at all last week. And, again, look, I I've, uh, I was kind of hoping that Tom Herman maybe could uh, stay undefeated until uh, they had that classic matchup with Louisville. But you know Coach Herman and his crew knew that this was not going to be an easy assignment going into uh, Navy Marine Corps Stadium in Annapolis. And uh, I thought uh, classic Niamatololo, don't you think, Phil? game plan, philosophy, and executed it to a T. Absolutely. And, you know, we've had some football talk questions the last two, so we're not making pace on that. I think it's time to turn it over to Jim. I'm going to bring you to the sidelines, Michael. We're going to bring Jim in, and we're going to get some Twitter questions going on here and knock out some games rapid fire. Is that okay with you, Michael? It absolutely is. Let me real quick, though, uh, let everybody know how to do it on Twitter. Again, at Phil Steele, S-T-E-E-L-E-042, at Michael Regai, R-E-G-H-I. Our producer, Jim underscore Nabozna, N-A-B-O-Z-N-A. Front and center, Jimmy, go right ahead. Let's ready to go through some games. The first question from Kevin Kaufman. It feels like the Buffs aren't going to stay unbeaten against the spread forever. What are their chances versus Arizona State University this weekend? That's a great question, Kevin. The only team in the country that's uh, undefeated against the spread is Colorado, and they're playing great. Love the job that Coach McIntyre is doing there. And you look at the fact that he lost his starting quarterback, Sifo Lefau, and then Steven Montez has stepped in the last two games and looked just great. They don't miss a beat with either quarterback right now. Uh, they've got the run game. They've got the passing game. They've got the defense as they're holding opponents to 62 yards below their season average. And they've got a nice crowd edge. I think the crowd will be pretty excited for this one. looks like Colorado's getting back to a bowl game this year, and they're a contender in the South. But this week they're taking on an Arizona State team that's down Brady White, who is their backup quarterback that played last week. Manny Wilkins, their starter. 
might not be able to return. They may have a true freshman quarterback in Dylan Sterling Cole, a guy who was my number 25-rated quarterback out of high school. But I think Arizona State's a contender in the South, too. And frankly, I'm surprised they're getting two full touchdowns. Probably has something to do with Colorado uh, being that 6-0 and team against the spread this year. So I, I like Colorado to win the game, but probably only by about six or seven. So I think that perfect spread record for Colorado falls by the wayside this week. I like Arizona State, uh, the underdog in that one. Appreciate the tweet there, Kevin. At Greg Viknovich wants to know what you think of San Diego State University on the road versus Fresno. The last time SDSU traveled, they lost outright by 18 as a big favorite. Yeah, but that, you know, the thing about that game, Greg, if you follow Coach Rocky Long in San Diego State, he's got two seasons. He's got preseason, which other people call non-conference games, and then he's got the Mountain West. Last year they went through the preseason, and they didn't look very good at all, did they? They lost to Cal, they lost to South Alabama, they lost to Penn State. They only had a win over the FCS. Gets them into Mountain West could play. How about dominate opponents? They win by an average of 35-13. to 13. The defense, which had been given up nearly 400 yards per game, gave up 240 yards per game in Mountain West play. Uh, it was phenomenal last year, and they've got Pumphrey at the running back spot. Uh, they've got a quarterback who really emerged late last year in Christian Chapman. He's doing a very solid job. That defense is there again. Last week they held UNLV to 122 total yards. And for Fresno, uh, DeRuder's doing a fine job there, but they've been struggling the last two years. Haven't caught a lot of breaks, and running into San Diego State is not going to give you a lot of breaks. Jason Virgil hitting under 50% of his passes this year. Uh, their defense has given opponents 62 yards above the season average. If it's a Mountain West game, I like San Diego State. I'm going with the Aztecs to win this one by over the three touchdowns against Fresno. Appreciate the uh, tweet there, Greg. Tom at T. Phil wants to know if the 35-point spread in the Duke-Louisville game seems like too much or if Duke can keep it within five TDs. I think the numbers are about right. In fact, when I was looking at the game, I originally had Louisville winning the game by 35 points. Uh, you know, they're an explosive team. They're coming off a loss. They're coming off a bye. How do you stop Lamar Jackson? But at one point in the game, do you say, hey, enough's enough, and let's uh, keep our guys healthy. They've got big games against NC State on deck. And when you look at Duke this year, they've been an up-and-down team. Now, keep in mind, this Duke team, which is the same one that's already lost to Virginia by 14 and lost to Wake Forest by double digits at home, uh, but they've beaten Notre Dame on the road. So they're a team with Daniel Jones at QB. They can make some strides. I think their defense going to have a tough time slowing down Louisville. Lamar Jackson, and he's just waiting to try to make a Heisman statement. That's one of those games which I have right where Vegas does, actually. I've got Louisville winning the game by 35. Uh, and, you know, Cutcliffe, though, is a dangerous dog, so I think if you're going to slant one mm-hmm. way or the other, you know, you might be leaning with the, the underdog slightly in that one. Appreciate the tweet there, Yes, Tom. and Phil, I am. Just want to interject quickly. Uh, you just said it. I love David Cutcliffe. You know how we spoke so glowingly of uh, Kenny Niamatololo a moment ago. Yes. I feel the same way about Cutcliffe. And, hey, watch him rally this thing up and keep this tighter than everybody thinks against Louisville. All right, good call, Michael. I was torn. You had a strong call. We're going with Duke as the play there. Nice job, Michael. <laughs> <laughs> Only because you were torn, my friend. I'm glad, I'm glad I you jumped in. You were glad sitting you right there at the ledge. Hey. You know what, if yeah. I'm waffling, yeah. you go ahead and take take control, Michael. <laughs> you don't waffle often, except <laughs> when you're sitting at the breakfast table. I know that. Uh, 
646, by the way, as uh, we continue on here. We're going to get to more of your tweets coming up. 646-668-2248. Let's go to the state of Connecticut with some thoughts about the uh, Atlantic Coast Conference. The ACC has been in everybody's mind this year. Uh, as uh, we continue on, here's John, Connecticut on Strongest Steel. Hello, John. Hey, Michael, Phil, love the show. Quick question about the uh, the Pitt UVA game. I noticed UVA is only a three point dog, but they had some pretty bad losses to start the year versus UConn, Richmond, and Oregon, and then they just beat Duke. But Duke, I don't think is that great. Any opinion on that UVA Pitt game? I think it, uh, UVA is getting a little too much respect here. All right, appreciate the call, John. I actually think that uh, it's legitimate when you look at Virginia. You know, Bronco Mendenhall took over some players that he he didn't know their strengths and weaknesses. Players didn't know the systems. Uh, Robert Anay, the new offense coordinator, fast pace, fast pace, fast pace, which was different than what they had run. I liked what I saw out of uh, Virginia in the Oregon game. They took them to the wire. It not took them to the wire, but took them better than expected. The Connecticut game's a game they had a 104-yard edge, but came up just three points short on the scoreboard. They beat a very good Central Michigan team by 14, and then I thought controlled the Duke game. Yeah, they benefited from a plus-five in turnovers, which was the key, but got the win. Uh, when you look at Kurt Benkert, he's a guy who – uh, you know, was going to be the starting quarterback at East Carolina. He's come in here in Virginia. I know when I talked to Ruffin McNeil when he was at East Carolina, he thought the world of Kurt Benkert. And now we see Benkert the last two weeks, 421, 336 yards passing. The defense, which has been slow to get rolling. In fact, they're giving opponents 49 yards above their season average. But here's a surprising stat. Pitt is giving their opponents 50 yards a game above their season average. Yeah, Pat Narduzzi's still the head coach there. Their defense has been playing about to the same level Virginia's has. Now, offensively, James Conner's a great story along with Kajay Henderson. They've got Peterman, a quarterback. I think this one comes right down to the wire. But I think Virginia's get uh, Virginia's getting slightly more than a field goal in this one. I like the underdog. I think it comes down the wire decided by a field goal or less. Should be a, a great game, and I like the dog in that one. Appreciate the call, John. Yeah, absolutely. That one should be a, a lot of fun to watch and, and fascinating as well as it will impact uh, somewhat of uh, bowl situations in the ACC. Let's keep rolling here on Strong as Steel at 646-668-2248. Nowhere do you get these kind of assessments and insights. Phil Steele's here. I'm Michael Regai, and we're going to Boston for the second time today with some thoughts uh, from Tone. Tone, how you doing? Welcome to the show. I'm doing wonderful. Thank you for having me. Um, just want to quickly say, Phil, you are a class act, man. Really appreciate what you do. Um, there's nothing like you in any industry in sports, and I just want to thank you and keep hope you keep it up as long as possible. That is a tremendous compliment, Tony. I really appreciate that. Not a problem. Uh, just really wanted to quickly get your thoughts about the Western Kentucky Middle Tennessee game. Um, Western Kentucky looks like uh, they've uh, come down to life this year, and I just wanted to see what you thought about that. And once again, nice job, Tone, because fireworks should be going off each week. I'm going to have my under-the-radar game of the week, and Tone just hit on it. This is the game that's yep. probably probably going to determine the CUSA East title. And it's on the line, yet uh, there isn't another radio show in the country that's going to talk about Middle Tennessee and Western Kentucky, and I find it a fascinating game. Here's what I like about it. First of all, Western's losses this year, when you look at them, they lost to Alabama. Well, a lot of teams are going to lose to Alabama. I thought they controlled the Vanderbilt game for the most part. Vanderbilt got the late touchdown. 
and then, of course, uh, in overtime, Western came up a point short going for two. And then the Louisiana Tech game last week, Western was way down, but Mike White brought him back. Mike White's having a better better season than what you would have thought. He's a South Florida transfer. He's hitting 65% of the 14-3 ratio. Not Brandon Dowdy numbers, but he's having a good year. They still have Anthony Wales at running back, but I do like Western, and or excuse me, Middle in this one. I like Middle Tennessee State at home, and here's a couple of reasons. The last 12 conference home games, they've won them all. That's a pretty good stat for me. They've got one of the more underrated quarterbacks in the country, Brent Stockstill. And, you know, he's the coach's son, and he plays like a coach's son. He's got 15 touchdowns, four interceptions. You ask any defensive coordinator out there, he's one of the most prepared QBs out there, knows how to read the defense. They've got a Tavis Mathers at running back who's averaging 6.3 yards per carry, a dangerous game-breaking wide receiver in Richie James. And when you look at the two defenses, they're fairly close this year. Both are giving their opponents a little bit more than what they come in averaging so i think you have a slightly better team at home a team that's won 12 straight home games i like middle to get this win here and take control and put themselves in that cusa title game this year with a victory in this one they will have to beat marshall later in the year but that looks winnable uh but i'm glad you touched on that game tone and i'm going with middle tennessee as my under the radar game of the week appreciate the call and, Phil, as we talk about underrated quarterbacks that, uh, that those that love college football need to keep an eye on, I'm glad you brought up Brent Stockstill because, you know, I think this young man has a chance to continue to flourish and do big, big things. Playing for his dad, who knows the position very well, doesn't hurt, does it? No, it doesn't. And, uh, you know, some people thought when he took over the job, that, oh, oh, it's a coach that said, no, not not in the least bit. Last year he had 67% <laughs> with a 30 to yep. 9 ratio. This guy's a reason Middle Tennessee's having so much success. Yeah, fun football team to watch. 646-668-2248. Phil Steele's here. Assessments, insights. Phil just mentioned it. You're not going to find any other place in the country, I guarantee you, that you'll get analysts that break down uh, the the group of fives, whether it's uh, the Sun Belt or the Mountain West or the MAC or Conference USA. You're just not going to find it. This is why you come to the right place here on Strong as Steel. Uh, the Alabama Crimson Tide still ranked number one. Let's go to the great state of Alabama as we check in, though, not on the Alabama and the SEC, but with some thoughts from John on Strong as Steel about the Big Ten middle of the pack squads. John, how you doing, man? Welcome. I'm doing well, Mike. How y'all doing? Terrific. Hey, Phil. Love the show. Uh, just want a question about the Northwestern Michigan State game. All right, John. I appreciate the call on that. You know, and I tell you what, Northwestern really struggled out of the box, didn't they? They lost to Western, which now when you look at that game, that's not a bad loss, losing by one at home. The Illinois State game, yeah, that's the typical FCS game. But then they rebounded to beat Duke. I thought they played a decent game against Nebraska. And then going to Iowa. And they just out-muscled Iowa. They had a 198-79 to yard rushing edge and came out with a 38-31 win. They've got one of the better running backs in the country in Justin Jackson. And Clayton Thorson, ah, he's never going to be one of the passing leaders. But if he could be a capable QB, Northwestern could be dangerous. And defensively, I've seen improvement as well. Holding Iowa to 283 yards was solid. And with Michigan State, you know, they look great with that big upset in Notre Dame, jumped into the top ten, got beat by Wisconsin. Now, if you go to Phil Steele Plus, I break down that Wisconsin-Michigan State game a little bit closer in my game of the week matchup, which is Wisconsin-Ohio State. So listen to that. 
Uh, then the next week against Indiana, they had the lead and then blew it at the end. And the BYU game last week was a tough second half. They didn't. Uh, BYU scored on all four second half possessions. Now there's question marks at quarterback. They benched Tyler O'Connor, brought in Damian Terry. But it's a must-win game for Michigan State. Yeah, the defensive line's banged up. Yeah, they're struggling at quarterback. But this is a team that uh, I think is in a must-win situation. When you look at what Vegas expects out of this, I believe Michigan State's about a four-point favor, which is pretty cheap. Had this game been played, let's say this game was played three weeks ago, Michigan State would have been favored by about 17. I think with this is one of those backs-to-the-wall game for Michigan State. Everybody's casting doubts on them. That's usually when they play their best football. I like the Spartans to win that one by a touchdown. And uh, surprise. Surprised that a guy from Alabama is talking about the Big Ten. So appreciate the call there, John. <laughs> Caught my attention right away, too, Phil. Quickly, how many quarterbacks does Mark D'Antonio play this week, and who runs out there first? Uh, I think Tyler O'Connor gets the start this week, uh, and I think Brian Lewerke may start to see some time. He's the youngest yep. of the three, and he may be yep. the most talented of the three. So it wouldn't surprise me if he starts getting much more action. Yeah, I'm right with you. A lot of young receivers, freshmen, true freshmen, Donnie Corley, Justin Lane, Cam Chambers, all all getting opportunities. Phil, I'm with you. I think Lewerke gets more action this week as well. Strongest steel. Oh, we're rolling, aren't we? 646-668-2248 on Twitter as well. Producer Jim Nabosna is ready to roll again. Jim, we know uh, tweets are sizzling for Phil's assessments. Go right ahead and uh, lay three or four of them on us. Uh, Jimmy? That they are, Michael. And I'll tell you, the the game that is getting the most traction is people want to know about the Texas Tech-West Virginia game. And a question here from Jake is, is West Virginia versus Texas Tech going to live up to the 83-point over-under, and can Tech beat this ranked opponent? You know, last year when these two played, you would have thought it would have been a super high-scoring game, and both coaches threw a monkey wrench into it. If you looked at, remember watching West Virginia, Texas Tech last year, uh, Texas Tech ran the ball 42 times, passed it 36. And on the flip side of the coin, Dana Holgerson ran the ball 57 times, passed it 24. So maybe they both thought, hey, the, you know, the other guy knows how to defense my pass game. I'm going to run the football at him. If they come out with a strategy like that again this year, it'll go under just like last year's did, which only totaled 56 points. But you've got to think a second year away, they'll probably come out with a little different strategy. And I, I love Patrick Mahomes. He was questionable heading into last week. Uh, here's a guy that NFL scouts start, should start looking at. Texas Tech doesn't produce NFL-caliber quarterbacks. It's more of a product of the system. This guy's not a product of the system. Size, arm strength, mobility. He can read the D's, 73%, 20 touchdowns, four interceptions on the year. Tech's defense still lacking a little bit, giving opponents 38 yards above their season average. When they look at West Virginia, all four games have been sort of at home. The BYU game was not. That was being played local, close by. But they've had the, the crowd edge basically in all four of the games. Got past Kansas State last week. Their quarterback, Skyler Howard, had a big bowling. He's having a pretty good year this year hitting 66% of his passes. But uh, while I think the defenses are fairly close, I think Texas Tech's got the home edge, uh, and they've got Patrick Mahomes at QB, who I'm going to take in this matchup. I like Texas Tech to pull the upset and knock West Virginia from the ranks of the unbeaten. Appreciate the tweet there. At Joe Cleveland, would like your take on the South Florida versus UConn game. South Florida has been super impressive this year, with the exception of Florida State. Uh, they're a team that uh, looks like they for sure will be playing in the American Championship game. They just waxed East Carolina. 
you look at their offense, Quentin Flowers is a guy that's hitting 58%, 11 touchdowns, just three interceptions, leading the team in rushing. I know when I talked to uh, Coach Taggart this year, he was super high on Marlon Mack, and Marlon Mack's averaging 7.1 yards per carry. And they've got the trio at running at uh, on the team with wide receiver Rodney Adams, one of the best out there. And this is one of those contrasted styles. You know, Connecticut's a team we've talked about for weeks. Uh, uh, what Diaco wants to do, he wants to slow the game down. He wants to run the football. He wants to take the clock to 0-1. Look at last week's game against Cincinnati, 20-9. to Like the way the Huskies are playing, you look at their defense, they're holding opponents at 25 yards below their season average. But remember last year's game, Connecticut uh, was at home in this one. It was uh, a homecoming one, right down to the wire, 28-20. Now they got to go on the road. I think South Florida's just got a little too much speed. And if they get ahead and force Connecticut to play from behind, that's not Connecticut's best thing to do. They're better when it's a close, tight game. Look at the Houston game two weeks ago. They lost by 28. I like South Florida to probably win that one by 17 to 21 points. Appreciate the tweet there, Joe. We have our weekly question from Tommy, who would like to know, he's been looking at Phil Steele Plus, and he said the Air Force run defense has been in the green on Phil Steele Plus just about all year. With New Mexico's almost non-existent passing game, does this one have the potential to get out of hand early? Oh, great question, Tommy Touchy, and uh, appreciate the tweet. And as you can tell, you only said Tommy, Jim, but I know who we're talking about here. He does, does a great <laughs> job breaking it down, and he's right. You look at that Air Force rush defense, and you got four games at green, which is under 100 yards rushing. They know how to prepare for the option as well. I remember Austin Apodaca was the passing quarterback for New Mexico. Uh, he got injured. They've gone with Juan Lawson and Lamar Jordan the last couple weeks, more running quarterbacks. Uh, now, that game against Boise, they lost by 28, but interestingly, only got outgained by 35 yards. I thought it was a game of big plays in Boise's favor. I like the way New Mexico actually moved the football, but here's the advantage both teams have. They defend the option every day in practice, so you think the game is going to be a little bit on the lower scoring side because of the way the defenses know how to prepare for the option, and both teams are in the option. This game is being played at a neutral site. Both teams are about the equal amount apart from the, the site. I think Air Force will end up having a crowd edge. Uh, with the game being played in Dallas. There's a lot of military personnel there. But I think New Mexico can make a game of it here. I, I like the Air Force to win it, but I'm thinking only about 7 to 10 points, and I think the fact that both teams know how to defend the option, we're going to have a, a closer-than-expected game. Appreciate the tweet there, Tommy. How about one more, Jimmy? No problem. Do you think Maryland is overvalued this week at home to Minnesota? Well, Minnesota's lost their starting quarterback, Leidner, for this one. But, of course, you know, Minnesota wasn't winning football games necessarily because of Mitch Leidner this year. I mean, he's only hit 57%. He's been a moderate run threat. He's got five touchdowns, four interceptions. So Connor Rhoda steps in. Now, Connor Rhoda, you know, NFL guys will tell you, Leidner's a prospect. You look at, you size this guy up, you take a look at the measurables, he's a prospect. Connor Rhoda doesn't necessarily fit into that category, especially not yet. So it's tough to go on the road with that. But uh, keep in mind, Maryland lost their starting quarterback last week, Perry Hills, uh, and uh, they had to go with Terrell Pigram uh, in the second half. Pigram didn't have the same type of stats that Hills did, so you wonder if Hills is going to be able to start, which I think he will, uh, if he can play the entire game. Now, I like Minnesota's defense. Uh, They're playing pretty good this year, as is the Terps. The last time Maryland had a Big Ten home game, they won that thing 50-7 to against Purdue. So that was a big-time win there. 
the line is moved up because of the fact that uh, Leidner's out. I originally had Maryland winning by four. I'm going to stick with that. I'm going to stick with Maryland winning the game by four. So I'm going to take the underdog here, and I think that Connor Rhoda will play a better-than-expected game and feed the ball to Rodney Smith and Shannon Brooks at the running back spot. Appreciate the tweet. Is that strong on Maryland, Phil? I, I, no. You know, I'm, uh, you, you, no, no, I'm, I'm leaning, Minnesota, I, leaning with Minnesota yeah. plus the seven in that one. Leaning. All right. All right, I kind of I can't I can't maybe, love uh, all 54 not... games out there. So I here's... <laughs> <laughs> Sure you can. Speaking of that, you know, let's uh, let's keep rolling here. I I mentioned that uh, we had we're down to 11 unbeatens now, of course, and uh, Phil and I are trying to make sure you have the proper insight into all of them. Phil, one of those Baylor Bears. Now, I, here's my question to you. Is this the same old song of dance for Baylor? I mean, three of the wins are over SMU, Northwestern State, and Rice. Now, we know they've got to be 12-0 to have an opportunity uh, out of the Big 12 and the way that thing's headed. So you tell me, is Baylor worthy? And by Thanksgiving time, are we going to still be including them in the ranks of the undefeated? No, Baylor won't be in the conversation at Thanksgiving. You look at their schedule, they got to go at Texas, host TCU, at Oklahoma, Kansas State. And by that part of the season, they're a depth-shy team. They only have 70 scholarship players. And they're not the same passing Baylor team they've been in the past. Seth Russell uh, only averaging about 278 yards per game, 14 touchdowns, four interceptions. They've got the run game. Shock Linwood, Terrence Williams, Hasty. So they definitely have the weapons there. But here's a surprising stat, and this is one I put I tweeted out at Phil Steele zero four two earlier this week, and it's from Phil Steele Plus. Now you think Kansas, what do you think? Horrible in every aspect, right? Mm-hmm. Offense, defense. Every aspect, yes. Their defense is holding opponents to fifty three yards per game below their season average, which is actually number 39 in the country this year. They've taken on Memphis, Texas Tech, TCU the last three weeks, and they're actually doing a pretty decent job. You look at that TCU game, it's a game they could have won had they kicked a field goal at the end. The field goal just went wide right. They held TCU to 366 yards. They held, that was, by the way, a season low for TCU. They held Memphis to 394 yards, the second lowest total of the season. So that's a better-than-expected Kansas defense. The offense playing better. I think they can. Uh, I think Baylor right now is about a 35-point favorite in the game. I would take the points in that one with Kansas because of that better-than-expected defense. And once again, that's a Phil Steele plus uh, stat there that their defense is uh, holding opponents to 53 yards per game below their season average. College football weekend, as always. This is what we do on Strong as Steel. Kicks off uh, tonight. Let's get back to our. Producer Jim Nabosna. Jimmy, a question for Phil about uh, this one this evening. At Keating Cutlets has a question about tonight's game, and he wants to know if UL Lafayette could stay within 10 versus App State. You know, App State's a very impressive team, veteran group. They should get back Marcus Cox, who's missed the last couple of games, and that makes them dangerous. But I think uh, UL Lafayette's a team that uh, can can hang with them. They've had a disappointing season so far. The loss to Tulane, New Mexico State on the road. Uh, Anthony Jennings, uh, they got replaced by Jalen Nixon at QB, but then Nixon got injured. So it's back to Jennings. They've got Elijah McGuire. They're at home. They're desperate. And App State hasn't been getting a lot of margin. They only beat Akron by seven. Georgia State at home by 14. So they've been struggling to get that margin recently. I think that this is going to be uh, a game. Go right down to the wire. So uh, I, I'm, after, I'm going to have to lean with the underdog tonight in this one. Appreciate the uh, the tweet there. 
coming down the stretch uh, here in this particular fourth quarter, late in the game on uh, Strong as Steel. Phil, all right, we've we've mentioned uh, Phil Steel Plus. We've discussed you getting your 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 breakdown uh, of the week in a, in a game form. This week it's it's Ohio State at Wisconsin and that big one in the top ten. Now, I want you to describe and uh, tell everybody why they got to get to steelsweeklypreview.com because you got a little extra added bonus going on there for those that want to make sure that they've got everything at their fingertips for the rest of this college football season. Yeah, I appreciate that, Michael. SteelsWeeklyPreview.com is the home of Inside the Press Box newsletter. And uh, when you when you get the Inside the Press Box newsletter, you not only get uh, my forecast on every game, you get my computer's forecast on every game, which I don't pick a game without looking at what my computer has to say about it. So you get the projected yards rushing, yards passing, points for every single game. You get a complete statistical breakdown. I mean, you could find out the strength of the defenses they've taken on so far this season and what this one ranks that they're coming up to. It is a loaded uh, information newsletter. Uh, self-handicappers, or if you just want, this, the newsletter's gone 22 and 12. And if you go to steelsweeklypreview.com and type in the uh, code word STEEL, uh, the promo code STEEL, you will get $20 off any package on SteelsWeeklyPreview.com. Oh, and yeah. uh, the ins- Inside the Press Box newsletter, 22 and 12 this year so far in the colleges. Mm-hmm. So hopefully that continues. And uh, I know we're, it looks like we're going to go a little overtime here, Michael. I think we've got another caller going, coming in. And, yeah. and the good news, Michael, is right now we are in bonus time because we did hit our 20 games at least. So we are topping, we've topped the 20 again. So I appreciate your hurry-up offense today, Michael got to do it all right so here you go you know we've been to alabama twice with calls today we haven't talked about the crimson tide having to go see rocky top this week number one against number nine give us your assessment alabama go on the road and stay undefeated Uh, i think alabama will win the game but here's the thing I, i look at a lot of folks are talking about how alabama's defense scored two touchdowns last week and how impressive that was I was unimpressed with 473 yards that they allowed to Arkansas. How about 25 first downs last week? Surprised me a little bit. And this is a Tennessee offense that's just percolating. I mean, how many teams turned the ball over seven times, Michael, and yet almost win the game like they did? They had none. 684 none. yards against – yeah, none. They had 684 yeah. yards against A&M. Yep. Florida came in with a number one defense in college football. Tennessee shredded them for 498 yards. Love the way mm-hmm. that Joshua Dobbs has been throwing ever since that second half of the Florida game. Remember the first half, they had all those drop passes. They probably get Jalen Hurd back this week. And while it's their fourth straight tough game, they're going to be rejuvenated by that home crowd. And keep in mind, last year when these two played, Tennessee led with about three minutes to go. Alabama needed a touchdown the final minutes to pull out a 19-14 to win at home. I think this one goes down to the wire. I like Tennessee plus the points in this one, but I'll take Alabama mm. then to escape with the, uh, the straight-up win. Wow, Tennessee plus the points. I'm gonna I'm gonna go against you in this one. I'm gonna say Alabama to cover, so you and I can uh, have a uh, an ice cream sundae side bet on that. How's that? Nice, nice. I, I love that. <laughs> hey, Phil. Uh, I maybe think we no got Maze from McCaffrey. Texas still out there. He is. Real quick, though, maybe no Christian McCaffrey this week for Stanford. Well, David Shaw's squad got whacked two weeks in a row. Got to go see another squad that's really Stanford-Notre Dame. How do you see it? Yeah, and frankly, I mean, how do you pick either of these two teams the way they've been playing I don't know. recently? Uh, but with, I can't. With, yeah, Notre Dame's got the offense, and let's face it, last week they only had 113 yards. 
First of all, you got a question why Brian Kelly's throwing the football 26 times in a, a torrential downpour like they were playing in. Uh, should have run the ball a little bit more. I think that's the reason NC State won. They had 51 rush attempts, just 14 pass attempts last week. Defensively, even though Stanford's got clubbed the last two weeks, I think they have the edge, even though their top two cornerbacks still likely out again this week. Should be on the higher scoring side, but I guess my final analysis was, was when I was trying to pick a team, because it's tough to go with either one, a banged-up Stanford or a Notre Dame team that's already got four losses. Who have they beaten? Stanford's beaten Kansas State, USC, and UCLA. That's not a bad list. Yes. Notre Dame's not beaten bad. Nevada and Syracuse. Uh, I'm going to go yep. with Stanford, even though they're on the road, and they're getting uh, a field goal or a little bit more than that in this one. I like the underdog in this one to potentially pull the upset, even without by, the man, Christian McCaffrey. Right. Okay, by virtue of who they've played and beaten. Phil just alluded to a time to almost, well, we're definitely into uh, bonus football time here. Let us go to the great state of Texas. We always like to look and have you give us thoughts on where upsets may come from. Here's Mace to be our uh, our closer on Strongest Steel. How you doing, Mace? I'm good. I'm good. Hi, Phil. How are you? Great, Mace. I have a quick question, just generally speaking, about upset potential. Um, when you look at the schedules today, you know, you have much bigger stadiums, hostile environments to play in on the road in these conference matchups with the Power Five teams than what we faced uh, 15, 20, 25 years ago. When you were Tom Osborne and you looked at your schedule, you had pretty much one game and with Oklahoma year in and year out, and then you had the rest of the Big Eight, which was kind of coast material. They just dominated the entire conference. What I'd like to know is your thoughts on you look at the Nebraska schedule today and it's just – treacherous from start to finish on the road uh do we have more upset potential today in college football than what we had 30 years ago oh absolutely mason i think the biggest factor there is the scholarship limit they've gone from unlimited scholarship limits i mean bear Bryant at alabama would sign a kid he knew would not even see the field just because he didn't want him playing for Tennessee. And the kid would be like, oh, of course I'm going to Alabama. So they had a large advantage back then. You could sign 130, 140 kids. Now you sign 85, which means every year you're only bringing in 20 to 25. That's a lot of good kids that are going by the wayside uh, and heading to other teams. So what we see is a team like Houston, for example, even signing a, a PS number five defensive lineman. That never happens. Tom Herman went and landed one, and we see more and more of that in college football. So 30 years ago, yeah, there was the haves and the haves-nots. But now, ever since they've gone to the 85 scholarships, I think it's a lot tougher for teams to stay at that elite level and far ahead of everybody else because the, the playing field has been leveled. That's a great question. I appreciate it, Mace. Way to close the show out with the phone calls today. How about that, huh? We uh, we're rocking today, as we always do. That's why Strongest Steel's got to be a regular part of uh, getting you prepared for your college football weekend. Phil, it's going to be a lot of fun this weekend, as obviously it always is. We'll see if we get any more chop from the ranks of those 11 unbeatens around the FBS. And we'll be right back here next week to discuss it all. Appreciate yeah. you, my friend. And 22-12. Yeah. Uh, and 12, 22 and 12 are Phil's inside the press box selection. So that's the biggest number to take away from today. Correct, sir? Yeah, that is. And then also, we didn't talk about Ohio State-Wisconsin. But, I mean, if you want a breakdown of Ohio State-Wisconsin, get prepared. Get your notepad out. Sit in front of the computer. It's about eight minutes of total dissecting of what's going to happen between Ohio State-Wisconsin. Last week it was Alabama by 20 over Arkansas. Jim, you got any comments on that? 
I did, and thanks for giving me that time, because I used uh, that tutorial last week on the Bama-Arkansas game, and it wasn't even your final score that was so awesome. It was how you get to the final score. Um, You broke down some things. One of the things that stood out to me was you showed Arkansas was having a hard time rushing the ball against good defenses and that their rushing yards per game were highly inflated by running all over teams like Alcorn State and Texas State. And uh, it showed to be true. I mean, they had a tough time running the ball versus Bama with only 73 yards. And another part of that, because, I mean, Arkansas would have had to been able to run the ball to win that game, you broke down the seven of the last eight years, a good Arkansas running team versus Bama actually never cracked the 100-yard mark. So that trend, that value, that was all there, and uh, that was an awesome tutorial. That's why I just need to get on air to tell you that. That was great. I appreciate that, Jim. And, uh, yeah, we, there's so much involved in that Ohio State-Wisconsin game, and it's all there for you, quick and easy to use. And turn takes you behind the curtain of Phil Steele Plus, a website that I've created for my own purposes. And uh, so make sure you check that out either Wednesday, Thursday, or Friday. It's right on the front of philsteele.com. And, Michael, greatly enjoyed the conversation. Jim, thanks for all the tweets today. And, uh, Michael, I'll let you wrap it up. You're the host. So uh, I'm going to let you wrap this thing up and put a bow on Traffic it today. Cop. <laughs> traffic cop my friend yeah exactly uh, love the breakdown of the tutorial jim just mentioned about looking at uh, the run game that's how i'll wrap it up today when you take a look at phil's breakdown game of the week keep close attention to how he directs you toward the wisconsin run game as it pertains to what it has been in the last uh, many, many years under various coaches, whether Alvarez, Bielma, or now Chris, and where it is today. There is my big tip on your tutorial, Phil. How's that? I think it's going to give lead you to where you need to be for Ohio State and Wisconsin. Fair enough? Sounds good. Yeah, just make sure you check it out. Absolutely. Phil Steele, fabulous job as always. We appreciate it. We'll do it again next week. We cover everything you need in the college football landscape as we roll our way toward uh, the college football playoff coming up that uh, will begin with all the conference championship games in the first week of December. For Phil Steele, for Jim Nabaz, and I hope you have a fabulous college football weekend. Get all your information uh, at philsteele.com. You can also uh, Get it at steelsweeklypreview.com, inside the press box, everything you need to know for breakdowns and assessments. For all of uh, the guys, all of you were terrific today. Appreciate all the calls and tweets. We'll see you again next week, everybody. I'm Michael Regai. Strong as steel is where you need to be. We'll talk to you next week. So long.